welcome to episode 46 of Nerd of Paradise. I'm your host, Kate, and I hope you've all been living your best nerdy lives. I've been trying my best uh, since my last episode. It's been a little bit busy over here. I went overseas to Europe for Star Wars Celebration Europe in London. I uh, got back, had another move I had to do, this time locally instead of cross-country, thankfully. But still, you know, lots of stuff to do with that. Very busy, um, getting settled in, all that kind of stuff. And then we had Dragon Con here in Atlanta, so that was a lot of fun. I kind of made a decision this year, since I'd been so busy with everything, to be more of an observer instead of trying to get podcast content. So unfortunately, there won't be a Dragon Con episode for this year, but I did take lots of pictures and even some video. Um, if you want to see that, head over to um, Instagram or Twitter, X, X formerly known as Twitter. But yeah, let's get on to this episode. I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing a super cool guy named Pat Naum. And just to give you a background, um, a couple months ago, I, I just found him randomly on the Instagram algorithm about this really cool game that he'd been working on. So I'm going to read you from his website. The game is called The Master's Pupil. So I'm just going to read you a little bit about the description and features from his website, and then we'll get to the interview. So the description says, The Master's Pupil is a hand-drawn puzzle adventure game where you explore the eye and life of master artist Claude Monet. You'll complete puzzles based on physics, space, and color, and assist one of the fathers of Impressionism as he preserves through personal hardship, loss, and health difficulties. And so with the features, it is entirely hand-painted with real paint and paper, seven years in the making, and you play through 12 beautifully hand-painted levels with spectacular visual design, a dynamic soundscape, and emotive music, which we definitely will talk about in the interview. You explore the life and works of Claude Monet and gain an understanding of how his art evolved through his life and complete a wide variety of levels that will challenge your brain on a physical and spatial level. Think like an artist as you mix colors to complete tasks, and don't be surprised if you have to get physical when helping to complete Monet's work. So if you're a fan of gameplay, like especially video games, and art in general, Impressionism, Claude Monet, any of all those things, you're definitely going to want to stick around and listen to this awesome interview. So without further ado, let's play it. All right, Pat. So thanks for stopping by Nerd of Paradise. I'm super excited to talk about the Master's Pupil, but we'll get to that in just a minute. So do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Did you always want to be a video game designer? Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I more than anything, I think I wanted to be uh, a maker of things. I always loved creating things. I think early on, I wanted to be like a carpenter or something where I could very like be very hands-on. Um, but yeah, I, I always wanted to kind of, you know, I went through making a lot of art and I, I went through art school, like I did a Bachelor of Creative Arts and that was my generally like, you know, my first steps into creating things. Uh, and then I went through film school and then um, I was working in the film industry quite a lot. And then I thought, ah, oh, this games thing that is happening now, like the indie apocalypse through the like, yeah, this was 10, 12 years ago now. 
uh, I thought that was super fascinating. And I thought maybe, well, I could, maybe I could make a game. That might be fun. Um, so I kind of, yeah, jumped in slowly. It wasn't a jump, actually. It was a wave. It was <laughs> a very low um, bay. And I just walked in very, very slowly all the way through to game development. Um, until, yeah, made the master's pupil. Awesome. So obviously with that, uh, we'll get into this a little more, but obviously Monet has been a massive influence. Um, so were there any other influences uh, artistically, like when you were growing up? Yeah, you know, I, I think the one thing just standing out off the top of my head is um, Da Vinci. I, I really loved, you know, he, he, he was a great artist, but then he was also like this engineer. Yeah, He made little trinkets, you know, he had like designs for like, helicopters and whatnot that wouldn't work but then he had designs for like scissors and stuff like this that were kind of you know he, he made little gizmos but then he made sculptures and like the Mona Lisa and so I, I think he was a great influence for me and more than anything I think it was that the essence of like creating a lot of different things or, or like the one thing with like a lot of different um, aspects to it so it's kind of why I moved into um, video games is because there's so many different, um, I can't think of the word, but you know, like, uh, or oh, disciplines, so many disciplines mm -hmm. it has. So, you know, there's art, there's music, there's um, cinematography or photography, um, you know, you're dealing with time and animation. And then as well as at the end of the day, you get to just play it. So there's so many different things. I think that's why I kind of went from like 2D art to, you know, not 3D, but like 2D with time, you know, in film. Mm -hmm. and, and then I went into games because there's so much more interactivity you have that you don't have in like any other medium. So uh, yeah, there's kind of this spread. And so uh, I had a lot of inspirations leading up, you know, to, to making the game, things like Braid and Limbo and Journey. They're three big games that I, I loved and inspired me a whole lot. But yeah, I think early on as a kid, I had these like little um, Renaissance era like magazines not that the magazines were from the renaissance but they were from you know there was these uh these little series of, of books that we had um and they went through a, a various different um artists and one of them was, was da vinci and i was kind of obsessed with him and, and he's like you know just broad creativity I, I really loved for sure do you think da vinci would have been a video game designer in modern times definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> that'd be it amazing was just so yeah, I know, right? He was just so into like little gizmos and like trinkets <laughs> and like trying to work out stuff, you know. He yeah, he was the so moon good. and like all sorts of stuff. So I reckon, I reckon he would have been right into it. That's awesome. All right, so let's talk about Claude Monet for a moment here. Like, for sure. um, I've always had a special affinity. Um, like when when I was growing up, uh, my mom she she always really liked Claude Monet, so. Like, I think we had like one of those day by day calendars and it had like a different painting of Monet every day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. yeah, yeah, we were like just mesmerized, you know, like by the haystacks and different things like that. Um, but what do you think it is about Monet that resonates with people like throughout the ages? Um, I think Monet is undeniably beautiful. Um, I don't think anyone looks at Monet and says like, ew gross like I don't I just don't think I don't know like I know that when he you know when he first started painting because like obviously I researched a lot about him and a lot about his life um and when he first started doing 
his you know impressionist style um along with like a group of other painters in the in the in paris at that time um there was a lot i know that there was a lot of kind of like backlash or like you know people that were discussing it but i don't think now you can look at his you know the middle area of his life where all his kind of famous paintings are I don't know if anyone's going to look at those paintings and not like them. You know, there is a just an an, an overwhelming sense of um of like beauty to his images. Mm-hmm. Just that kind of like because it's not something you have to kind of deeply understand or um have a degree in art to understand. You know, it's like someone like Dali, like you know, surrealism. <laughs> it's it's kind of a bit strange and a bit unusual. Maybe that just doesn't tickle your fancy. But mm-hmm. or someone like you know Picasso, where it's like strange angles <laughs> and whatnot jammed together. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not quite your jam, right? But Monet, nobody's looking at Monet and goes, eh, pass. <laughs> you know, it's kind of they just you. Might, it might not be your exact thing. You might not want it on your wall, but it's definitely something that is interesting and. I don't know, just, just, just beautiful. It is just beauty, I think, fundamentally. Yeah, that kind of goes in with like the whole impressionism, you know, era. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just pleasant. <laughs> yes, and they, because what they were trying to do was it was about light and color. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't, and they were doing, they were making kind of social progress because it was they were doing like everyday scenes. You know, people walking in parks and this stuff that wasn't just like a regal you know yeah. portrait of some or like a, a a painting of like a famous building it was just here is just you know haystacks or here is just like a lady in a park and so it was kind of that was socially pushing but now it's just they're just interesting scenes mm-hmm. um but visually they were talking about you know the separation of color the separation of light how these things looked and how they, you know, how to recreate them without necessarily recreating something in realism. You know, mm-hmm. these weren't they, they weren't attempting to be real and trying to recreate, you know, a, a, a photo of something because photography was coming out at that time as well. So there was all this different ways of looking at things and different ways of seeing. So, you know, the impressionists were trying to just do something different in like just on the edge of what abstraction turned into be, you know, mm-hmm. rather than Picasso or, or some of the abstractionists that just totally abstracted scenes and, and people and figures and whatnot. They were trying to just, just, just light abstraction, you know, abstraction yeah. light. It's only 2% milk, you know, like it's very, like, it's a small kind of idea. So yeah, that's yeah, fascinating stuff. Like when you think about it, like just art in general. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, color theory, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of where the game, you know, what the the game itself was a little bit of that, and kind of trying to, because you know the the mechanics in the game are all about color and color separation yeah. and, and color theory, and that was a lot about what the game was was trying to uh, pull in some of those like loose ideas about art oh, cool. and art theory that weren't necessarily, um, you know, like the game itself isn't there's no language you know or Mm -hmm. or text or spoken you know narration or anything to the game um it's just you experiencing it and so I wanted to try and although it's based around Monet's life a lot of the puzzles you know it's essentially Mm -hmm. a puzzle game and so the puzzles in itself are all about kind of color and color theory um and not necessarily about his life uh, although they kind of it kind of 
works in parallel with his life. There's like struggles that are kind of loosely mapped to, to puzzles and that kind of thing. Okay. But it is more about art making and how frustrating that can be and how uh, interesting <laughs> that can be. I know, um, like when I, when I got to the part with the, the little pigment things where, I, where you turn black and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like, like, you know, oh, Mon I get it. <laughs> yeah, and Monet never used black paint, and so, oh, um, so that's kind of why it's it's one of the the faulting kind of puzzle mechanics in the game. Yeah. That, you know, there's when you combine, you know, uh, all three uh, primary colors together. Yeah. You know, you get kind of you get essentially this swampy brown color, yeah. but uh, essentially it's it's moving towards black. Um, but he never used actual black pigment mm. or black paint, but he did kind of very limitingly use that kind of those swampy dark colors. Yeah. But on, on, in specific purposes and specific kind of like um, methods. So interesting. It would be, yeah. So there'd be this kind of very like measured like use of them. Um, mm. But usually he was doing like separating colors and seeing if he could, instead of representing something dark, he'd represent something, you know, a light three darker colors next to each other so they would kind of represent this like darkness hmm. um and that kind of thing yeah wow. fascinating fascinating kind of the dude, yeah that really. is super cool so let's take a step back and talk about um your origin story for the master's pupil and by the way love the pun thank you <laughs> thank you yeah it's so actually, yeah just tell um, us a little bit about like uh the beginning stages and then of uh, the the now famous seven years that it took you to and paint yeah yeah, yeah look it, yeah seven years it's it's a long time um yeah but i think it started uh with seeing these images of um this photographer uh i can't I can never pronounce his name Siren. i can add it to your notes but he was okay. a i think he's an armenian um uh, an armenian photographer he did these kind of uh close-up photography of human eyes Cool. And specifically the iris. And so originally I was actually going to call the game Iris um, because it was set, you know, inside a human eye, inside this kind of miniature world mm -hmm. that looks like this little valley, you know, with a kind of dome over it of, of your like iris and, and the kind of uh, lens that sits over the top of it. Uh, and they look like these, you know, twisting uh, green vines that represented this landscape and world. And I thought, that would be a fascinating like area for a game because I was doing, like I mentioned earlier, I was doing film and it wasn't necessarily, um, I was trying to write short films and, and come up with concepts for like TV shows and whatnot. And then when I came up with this, this landscape, I thought it, none of that really works for a TV or a or film, but maybe it would work for a game and it would be this kind of, it could play out over someone's life you know, starting on the edge, the white section of their eye as mm -hmm. with birth and then moving towards the pupil as a kind of concept of death. So over the course of someone's whole life. Um, and then it was trying to decide whose eye this would be and whose life it would be. Uh, because originally I was going to write a fictional person and, and write, this, mm. write their story and write the kind of world that they lived in, um, you know, maybe basing it, original ideas I had basing it the start of their life in World War One or two, um, maybe surviving the Holocaust, something like that, and then kind of existing through the 60s, you know, re mm -hmm. revolutionaries, revolutions through the 60s, 
and then into like, you know, the internet and computer, you know, mania that happened in the last, it's been mm-hmm. happening for the last 30, 40 years. So this kind of concept of like over the, our, you know, direct modern era. Um, but I had to kind of create uh, an, uh, the story of like an old man or woman, you know, existing where I am now. And this is, you know, this is, I came up with these ideas like 10 years ago. So, you know, I was in my early mid twenties and I just didn't feel very, it didn't feel very like, um, uh, I felt insincere basically to kind of write these stories about, you know, yeah, maybe a, a, a Holocaust survivor, you know, existing mm-hmm. into the, and being old and like looking then into the pupil as like a big, you know, metaphor of death. So that, that, it just didn't feel right. So mm-hmm. I started looking around for people that could, I could write their story as a game, uh, which, which loosely led me to Monet because after thinking about this, you know, idea of set in, a, in an eye, uh, you know, Monet, as a little bit of a spoiler for everyone, is that <laughs> Monet had cataracts in his later in his life and it affected his artwork, it affected his life. But he also had one of the, you know, big first, uh, like big profile surgeries of someone as well. So of the, of his cataracts. And so I thought, well, that could be this kind of big bad for the game, have the cataracts building over the story of his life. Is that the big then, monster you know, thing? No, no. That's oh. actually, you know, um, him uh, getting typhoid. So he, oh, when okay. he was about 20, get t- got typhoid. And so that's the level three. Um, gotcha, and that's gotcha. the end of the kind of demo that you get to play. Um, so, yeah, so basically, but, you know, that's a good point. It's like having these kind of big implements in his life. Um, mm-hmm. I could then start like collecting sections of his life and, and grouping them together as levels and having these kind of larger uh, story beats divide the game into these sections. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it became, because I started with this idea of his cataracts, I started like, investigating his life it really did feel very episodic he had kind of these big sections of his life kind of bookended by certain events mm-hmm. um which it felt very natural pulling them into like you know separate uh, levels basically um so yeah it was this kind of slow process of building this idea and creating this like these concepts um down to like even the you know the name itself like i said earlier it was it was called iris mm-hmm. and then uh when i looked when I started making it and I started posting stuff online, there was another group of people with it, Iris the game. They already had the handle on Instagram and on Twitter, I think. Oh, and man. so I couldn't really like, yeah. So it's this like moment of like, oh no, how am I gonna, you know, still do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, basically I I reached out to them and, and I asked if I could have the handle or buy the handle off them. And they just said, you know, no, we've already got it. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Um, yeah. And then after looking into that, I thought, well, there's a lot of other games called Iris or Iris colon and the something or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I eventually asked my mate Dean. Oh, well, I was asking a lot of people with different names, and my Dean came up with the idea of the master's pupil. Nice. Um, which you know, I just love that kind of double pun mm-hmm. scenario. So, so you know, very, very yeah. Clever. Basically, I, I like to look at like these ideas of like layering concepts on top of each other so you know an eye inside an eye set over someone's life 
having Monet with his cataracts that affected the eye mm-hmm. and then getting the chance to kind of paint the whole thing and have even the style of the game inherently kind of... Uh, yeah, so many layers. Um, yes, combined with the rest of the layers of the game, yeah. So that's a good segue to my next question. Uh, what was the most difficult aspect of hand painting the scenes for this game? Um, that is that is tough because I think hand painting a game. The the hardest thing I think is just how much painting there is to do. So it's like almost the, the all of it the is the hard bit. Um, but yeah, the volume of them for sure. <laughs> um, but I think there was there was almost like consistent challenges because uh, there was a way. I, I developed a way of, of of painting the game that that I could to tick off all these problems that was happening. So the biggest problems were like I can't paint them very big because they're going to fill my house pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, I, if I would have paint them properly on canvas with oils, for example, mm-hmm. and huge canvases everywhere, and my apartment would stink out of chirps and oil paint. Um, so you know, I painted them small with acrylics as well. Um, I used a wet palette, which is like a, I don't know if you or anyone you know is into uh, painting like miniatures for like Warhammer or whatnot. Um, okay. You know, like they use these wet palettes and really small amount of paint. And so a mate of mine used it. He said, oh, I'm using this thing, which is essentially like a sponge and a, and a piece of like baking paper over it, wax paper over it. So you can keep paint wet for longer wow. kind of thing. Um, so it's all these kind of tricks that I was pulling up and like learning uh, I end up getting a film negative scanner, which is like this kind of giant big box of a scanner that could scan in things, you know, at super high resolution. Uh, so they, all these elements were kind of like, you know, layering again, layering and layering <laughs> all these kind of ideas yeah. of how to get this, the, the best process possible. Um, and just practicing basically and, and getting better and better at painting and getting better at, because the, the, the backdrops for all the levels, they're kind of big, uh, figurative or not figurative but kind of like their actual landscapes in themselves so mm-hmm. relearning how to paint after so many years out of uni was a big process as well wow. um but luckily I had a bit of that <laughs> you know yeah um yeah but I think I think definitely the biggest challenge would have to be just outright any of them is trying to match Monet's style because you know he's the master and <laughs> I w- I am You're the people the in a lot of ways, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, having to try and mimic a master like that is just very difficult and very like it just takes a very long time. So, yeah, um, I think that was definitely the hardest bit, <laughs> trying to get anywhere close to his his skill. Yeah, gotcha. So I d- I wanted to touch a little bit on the music and the sound effects. It's it's got like it's just like really soothing and like there's there's like ambient noise um what kind of sources did you use for that yeah there was a an idea early on of not having the game have any language or text in it and so i wanted to kind of create a soundscape that would kind of essentially map the outside world into the player's world um and have this kind of loose story come in Uh, Mm -hmm. but all the soundscapes were essentially made from you know, outside free sources on the internet. So freesound.org is this like great resource where people just post their 
nice. you know, sounds that they've recorded. Um, and so, you know, even in the credits, there's this kind of like giant list of, of people that have you know, sound <laughs> recorders, basically, that just posted their stuff up for free and posted up as like, you know, uh, either free domain or, or, you know, with attribution. So mm-hmm. um, it was fantastic because people would post up like, oh, here is a French meadow you know, yeah. for 20 minutes and I'd be like, oh, fantastic. Perfect. So I'd kind of clip stuff <laughs> and I'd, you know, blend it in with other sounds and have specific sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the difficulty was trying to get sounds that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't clash with like 1800s, yeah. you know, Monet's late 1800s life. Um, so, you know, no motorbikes or no like, have, trying to find a sounds for a market with no cash registers or beeping <laughs> or, you know, sounds, yeah. um, that was kind of quite difficult. Um, That's true. But it was it was a fascinating kind of um, uh, creative process, really, of trying to recreate areas and, and kind of story beats, but doing it in sound. Uh, because one of the biggest things I found was that the sound wasn't, um, wasn't really it wasn't giving a kind of emotional um, aspect to it. So you could kind of create, recreate these areas or, or a, even a slight mood, maybe like, oh, this is a dark and creepy you could kind of create. But mm-hmm. without any text saying, oh, this is sad, this is a sad moment or this is a poignant moment that is happening or a jubilant moment of someone having, you know, in having a... a having birth or having Mm -hmm. you know having you know birth of his son or or whatnot um so creating that was this kind of aspect that i i kind of lumped on the shoulders of my composer steve shouten aka misty lanes you can find the anyone listening can find the score online it's amazing he did such an amazing job because basically i like i had to i had to task him with creating like an emotional backbone for the game Mm -hmm. so you can have these moments that are supposed to be sad or poignant uh, and you're running through a field with maybe some, you know, insects and light wind and stuff. But as soon Mm -hmm. as you add in some, like just the perfect amount of wilting violin and some light piano music, it it really, you can really make someone feel something and have this sense of sadness in the game, which I think he just really nailed it. He just did such a great job of creating that. Um, So yeah, fantastic stuff. All right. So next, I wanted to just uh, ask you if you have names for the elements in the game. I have a few notes of myself. (laughs) So I have. (laughs) Yeah, I like uh, it. Crystal arm. Crystal arm. Yeah. I was calling them switches. Oh, switches. Um, Yes. Crystal switches at some point. And then jets. Okay. I said spore puffs. Right, spikes <laughs> the spikes yep uh pigment vents pigment vents yeah nice <laughs> i had drafts at a, a little while there the spikes oh. I, I just called them spiky boys i think <laughs> spiky boys <laughs> yeah <laughs> love it awesome that's that's as far as i got but <laughs> i just was wondering and then you... did you call the doors anything because i was started, i just literally called them sniffy doors the entire time oh, okay I think you know, like doors that that they sniffed you. So sniffed yeah, doors. yeah, that works. That's so funny. Okay, so now um, your mom has become a little bit internet famous. I think after playing <laughs> with you, 
<laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Do you want to tell us uh, uh, how that came to be? Uh, it was it was really fun actually. It was <laughs> such a strange thing because I I really wanted to I really got to put another one of those out. It was so much fun. Um, but yeah, because she's gotten so much love on on the on <laughs> Instagram and like she's such a character. Um, but that's kind of why I did it. You know, she was such a she's such a funny woman and <laughs> I. You know, I the advice that I got was basically if you put up a live stream, you know, the day of your, uh, you know, the day that you go live on Steam, then you can kind of like pop up on the front page a few times, and so mm -hmm. that's you know it's just good marketing. Yeah. Um, and I approached various of my brother's friends. My brother's in podcasting and streaming and whatnot. Um, and I. I approached a, a few of his friends, um, but it was hard to kind of pin them down because they're kind of working their own kind of schedule. So mm -hmm. to get them to do this kind of live stream was a bit difficult in like a very precise timing. Um, but I knew I could do something and they also have to like, they, they, they're doing like a live recording and then they have to like interact with different people and interact with the kind of um, their audience at the same time. Um, and yeah, basically, you know, a streamer has to like respond to their people, and it's it, it's a different yeah. from just playing the game straight and and just you know straight all the way through without kind of being interrupted. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought, well, my mom hasn't actually played any of the game because she's not really a gamer. So, well, she's not a gamer at all. And so it was like this kind of way of uh, maybe that's brilliant. Yeah, if, I, if I just played along with her and have her react as she does to many things um, <laughs> elaborately and flamboyantly, then maybe that would kind of be fun. And so, you know, I did a bunch of edits then and put it up on socials and I just had all these people being like, your mom's so awesome, you know, go Pat's mom. Like, <laughs> you know, you can do this. And like giving her like, you That's know, so support. Cool. As well as just asking if she's going to set up a Twitch channel. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you could do that. It'd be a good second income stream, you know. There you go. Set up a, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I was thinking of having my mom <laughs> try to play it. Uh, she's yes. got like um, beginning stages of dementia, but like I feel like um, the colors and everything would, and just like the the puzzles and everything would probably be really good for her. Yeah, and I think that's you know that was my mom was like, oh, how do I set this up on my computer because I want to kind of finish it because she played the first three levels of mm -hmm. the demo, but she's like, it was such a mind, like yeah. it was such an interesting you know, process to do to put her mind through mm -hmm. um, not just the kind of puzzles, but also just playing a game after for so long because, yeah. you know, I purposely made the game quite easy to physically play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's left, right and jump. That's the only buttons in the game. And so uh, there was a process of, of making it easy to play, but even that is still once mum was playing it, I was like, Oh, that's actually, it is actually kind of difficult because <laughs> Especially if you come from no no gaming at all, mm -hmm. making the lump that that leap is 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 difficult. I think, um, but you know, uh, for non gamers, it's, it's it's yeah, there's a leap. Yeah. But otherwise, if, if I have my mom do it, I'll have to take some video and tag you. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, I'll share it around. <laughs> we can maybe so we can make it like mums. moms playing masters people yeah. trending or yeah. something. <laughs> Awesome. Yes. <laughs> That's I love it. Um, okay, so you kind of were talking about it a little bit, but do you have tips and tricks for getting through the entire game? Uh, that's a good question. Um, 
I have been trying to, we've been trying to set up on the Discord, set up a little bit of a, because there's a, since the kind of explosion of this game on, you know, on socials, mm-hmm. you know, the viral posts that went out, um, there's been this kind of like little community forming on Discord nice. and, um, you know, with speed runners and, and people that are really interested <laughs> in the game. So I've been trying to like set up a, um, a way of having, uh, kind of hints for the game without actually mm-hmm. spoiling the puzzles because I think yeah. you know puzzle games are about the kind of fun eureka moment of of achieving the puzzle and working it out mm-hmm. so trying to have hints um but loosely I think it's it's a matter of having patience because you yes know, there is something inherently yeah there is something inherently frustrating about puzzles because yeah uh, and it's something that I had to kind of design with on on um, uh, I don't know if you can hear that, but that was just like someone outside just started playing some kind of accordion. Oh, fun! <laughs> but that was just very loud. And very, <laughs> um, yeah, um, I don't know. I'll see if closing the door helps, but that was just okay. completely out of the blue. It adds a little flavor. Yeah, just a little like some something to the. To the <laughs> spontaneous accordion there you go um okay close the door now um uh where was i before that accordion interruption um, um patience <laughs> playing the game patience, yes yes having <laughs> patience because you know like it, a puzzle is about frustration you know i had to mm-hmm. design with frustration in a way of like making essentially what is it like you, you know if you make a game too hard that it, you people rage quit and if you make yep. it too easy people get bored and yep. you know they they don't want to you know it's just not as interesting so there is this moment of frustration that you have to go through every time but i've tried to make it that that, that frustration isn't too long before you get that yeah. ah moment of solving the puzzle. yeah i found like with me like if i got frustrated at a certain point if i just actually set the game down even just like for a couple minutes and then went back to it like then i would usually get it right away yeah, and I think especially now when we don't have many moments of frustration, you can you yeah. come up with, you know, what was that album with that song on it? You can yeah. kind of work that out within three minutes with right. a Google search. So <laughs> it's true. I think there is something about puzzles and puzzle games that have that sense of, you know, interest and, um, uh, yeah, the frustration, minor frustration of just sitting with, yeah. it with a problem and trying to work it out. Yes, very true. All right, so if you could meet Claude Monet, what would you like to tell him? <laughs> That's interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I would tell him. I think I would definitely um, maybe ask him questions or talk with him. You would know, you want him to around. play your game? I don't know. It <laughs> depends what era he was in, you know? Like, yeah. Obviously, it'd, it'd have to be towards the end of his life because then I wouldn't want to spoil his own painting. Yeah, that's true. Him. That'd be weird. Um, <laughs> but I think he was a—he was a bit of an old man grouch towards the end of his life. Um, you know, he just liked to sit and paint and and, and not have people bother him. So I yeah. guess so if he was willing. But I think he would have been a kind of grouchy old man <laughs> towards the end. Um, but it would be nice to meet him and just like, and especially towards the end of his life when he was just had these kind of gardens in Giverny and yeah. he would just, he had this kind of like, you know, he created these gardens and that, you know, that um, famous 
uh, Japanese bridge over the yeah. lilies, you know, that kind of whole pond system he had set mm-hmm. up. Um, and, you know, he was famous in his own right. So he, he, he had the wealth to kind of create these gardens that he wanted to paint. And it, I think that in itself is this kind of fascinating idea. Mm-hmm. Going back to like Da Vinci and having this someone that kind of creates all this, their own kind of thing. Even though he was such an obsessive painter, towards the end of his life, he also got into like gardening and like and landscaping yeah. and this kind of stuff. So he could then create his own paintings of them. Yeah. It's kind of fascinating. Full circle. So, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So do you have any plans for a, like a sequel, like a Da Vinci sequel or a Van Gogh or anything like that? <laughs> I've always joked at having like a sequel, you know, the master's <laughs> pupil Van Gogh's ear because he famously yes. cut off his ear towards <laughs> yes. the end of his life. Um, you know, Dali's curly mustache. Oh my gosh. Be, yes. Um, Frida Kahlo's eyebrow, her monobrow, you know, that'd be Yeah, you should. That's um, amazing. You should go through each uh, artist. Yeah. <laughs> Facial but features. I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just different parts of their bodies. You know? There you go. Um, but I think, I think I don't, I don't know if I could paint a game again. It, it, yeah. It it, 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 it took a long time and it took a long time about trying to learn how to game design and game develop and, um, yeah. and how to structure that in my own life. And because I, I came from graphic design and I, I have a graphic design business. And so part of the seven years is is about was it trying to make game development a reality while I was, you know, yeah, living, you know, while I was trying to pay rent and, and mm-hmm. eat and stuff. Things. So there there is that process of like the side hustle through the lot of it. Um, yeah. But it's a it's an inefficient way to make it. <laughs> is painting. So I don't know if I could put myself through it again. Gotcha. All right. Well. That's uh, almost all the questions I have, but I uh, just wanted to ask too, like, where can people go to find your game? Where can they download it and that kind of thing? And where can people yeah, so, go to find out more about you online? Uh, so yeah, definitely. Um, it's my socials. Everything is at Pat Naive Games um, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, you can find masterspeople.com online. That's got all the links to everything as well. If you can't spell my last name, which is a nightmare of vowels smushed <laughs> together so don't worry um the masters people it's pronounced naum yes okay. yeah Naum. Yeah. like a horse and um like boom um, okay so when i'm doing the intro awesome <laughs> yeah yeah good to know. <laughs> um but yes the com is basically where you can find all the links to the socials as well as the links to the discord you know come and say hi and and hang out and ask questions online you know like i'm there and i'm trying to be as active as I can there as well as there's a whole bunch of you know community managers on there that are that are helping out as well nice. you know there's people speed running the game which is awesome and weird <laughs> it's and cool. fantastic um but yeah you know uh or you know Monet's Wikipedia that's probably a, a big place to find out more about the game and about more interest about nice. you know, his life and whatnot uh but yeah you can basically um otherwise you can play it on Steam for both Mac and PC and Nintendo Switch and I have the Switch soon, version, and it's fun. In... <laughs> Thank you. Um, and very soon, we're going to be putting it on um, Xbox and uh, PlayStation. As Ooh, well. so nice! That's, really that's yeah, awesome. Very excited for that. So, one more I've question. Got to that properly at some point. Yeah. One more final question. So, were you, were you surprised at the response that you got for this game? 
Cause that's, I found I like, cause like you kind of mentioned it earlier, like online, it kind of, kind of had like an explosion. And so like, I think you just showed up in my algorithm a couple of weeks before the game dropped. And I was like, Whoa, this looks awesome. But like, has, so has that just overall response <laughs> surprised you? yes yes definitely surprised me that was that was definitely a shock um i think you know there was uh, what three posts that went over a million views Oh, wow. and the last one the last one has gotten to like eight million or something on tiktok That's crazy. and nine million on instagram just crazy numbers crazy crazy numbers Yeah. Because, you know, in, in it, I was expecting this game to be come out to maybe a few thousand people would know it existed, let alone buy it. Um, and then so for, you know, those posts to get so much bigger than I was ever anticipating, Wow. which that was kind of mind blowing. And I, I went through like, you know, because it's now a month or so after launch. And that was happening. It happened. I think the first one happened about three or four weeks before launch. So it's about it's been about two months or so of this kind of 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 this whole process. Crazy. And only in the last few weeks I've come to terms with it and having to kind of because it was just this like surreal nature, basically Yeah. this surreal event that happened that That's I was just so kind cool. of holding on to. Um, but yeah, it's just been it's been a, a overwhelming and and even though I guess you know obviously. you have dreams of like, oh, this is going to go massive and Mm go, and I'm going to be able to live forever on the money that this earns, that kind of silliness. But you really have to come to terms with the expectations, real life expectations of what the game is going to be and who's going to play it and that kind of thing. And so, you know, my expectations were, were low. I, I, I knew that this was a niche indie game. Uh, I knew it wasn't going to sell thousands and thousands. And then for it to get to this like, way bigger audience than I ever anticipated and to get like you know following on Instagram and whatnot it's been just bizarre it has been truly weird and bizarre and then having to like re-establish my expectations of what the game can do um you know it's it's, Yeah. it's just been yes very <laughs> wow. surreal It's been and strange a roller coaster. but It's been a roller coaster, I'm sure. well yes Oh man. and in general I'm just kind of appreciative I think it's just Yeah. you know I'm just so thankful to everyone because It made this kind of indie weird game way bigger than I than I thought it could or would. Um, so it's yeah, it's fantastic. Awesome. Well, congratulations on all of your success. Thank And you, Kate. Thank you very yeah, much. And thanks thank for having me. This yeah, has been thank wonderful. you so much for coming. I'm I'm so glad we were able to work this out. And you're welcome Yes. back anytime. Like I need to do like a Da Vinci <laughs> episode or something. Go in depth on Da Vinci. for sure. That'd be fun. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks again and take care. Thanks, Kate. Cheers. Yeah. All right. So thank you again so much, Pat. Uh, the interview was so much fun and I was so, so glad that you were able to take some time out of your busy schedule and chat with Nerd of Paradise. I hope you all enjoyed this interview. And again, definitely go check out The Master's Pupil. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm really enjoying it on the Switch. Um, but yeah, you can check it out on other mediums if that makes sense for you. And yeah, hopefully we'll see more in the series like Pat was talking about with other artists. That would be super cool. All right, so that's pretty much it for this episode. And 
now that I'm getting settled into my new place, I'm hoping to be able to explore Atlanta, especially the nerdier side of things. Um, so look forward to more content like that in the future. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media. On Instagram, it's at Pod. Oh, this is just a side note. Kind of goes along with this episode too, I guess. But uh, October, also known as Inktober, I've been doing that for the last couple of years. So if you're interested in that, I have been posting that on my Instagram and X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, so yeah, keep your eyes open for that in October. It's not necessarily podcast material, but if you're interested in that, go check it out. And of course, you can go to nerdaparadise.net, listen to some past episodes on our wide array of nerdy topics. All right. So until next time, everybody, stay nerdy. Stay nerdy.